Warning. The Long in the Boot podcast contains sarcasm, irony, logic, and occasional facts. Opinions expressed by guests of Long in the Boot are those of the individual and do not reflect the opinions of any corporate or government entity. Due to the use of freedom of expression and those other pesky God-given rights, adult supervision is recommended. Please listen thoughtfully. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Long in the Boot, coming to you from the heel of the boot of Louisiana, better known as Southwest Louisiana, the five parish area currently leading the state in COVID cases. We're number one. We're number one. It's only per capita. That doesn't really count. (laughs) And I am joined by Bryant Habits uh, to help me out today. Uh, Bryant, how's, how's it going? It's going great. We're Thriving and surviving in these uncertain times. Well, it's been a, it's been a, well, as far as COVID goes, it's been a pretty horrible week for the uh, boot, uh, the heel of the boot of Louisiana. I don't think the toe is doing too well either. Yeah, but not a whole lot of people live there either. Yeah. Not the toe toe. I've been, toe. I've been to the, the ball, I guess you would call the, them the, the ball of the foot. <laughs> I've been to the metatarsals uh, recently <laughs> and they weren't too, too bad. It's one of those things too. And you got so many people now that are, well, I don't know if they don't believe it or what, but I've I've seen more and more people. You know, I think it might be a hoax. It's and, a hoax. Yeah, it's man, it's a it's a good one if it is because they got a lot of people involved. Yeah, and, my brother's in on it because he's you know a physician. Oh, is he one of the guys perpetrating the hoax? Yeah, he's, yeah, I know. He's a, just running the numbers up. Those poor epileptic kids. Yeah, they, they they got COVID now. Well, what I was wondering the other day though is, do people get just common colds still? Does that happen? Probably, but if you're in public and you're common colded, you're not going to be seen as common colded anymore. Right. They do have a little bit of the manic mania and allergies. I know everybody's got allergies. Yeah. I know I have them. And hay fever is. I'm terrified so to sneeze when I'm in the store now. It's like I'm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, don't want to make anybody freak out because I assume people would run the other way. Uh, yeah, they'd probably just kiss you if they're around the heel of the boot. Yeah, well, you know. I was recognized in my mask the other day. Speaking of masks, uh, the poor little clerks at the stores that are having to enforce the mask mandate, they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place when the guys come in who just absolutely refuse to wear a mask because it's against their rats. And uh, I see it. I've seen it in three different stores where the clerk says, hey, you have to have a mask. And they just ignore them and walk on in. And I mean, yeah. what's what's the poor little clerk supposed to do? According to corporate, they probably fulfilled their obligation. I would imagine they can now. They're but they're the the minions of tyranny. Well, all the big box stores and all the all the big stores are now mandated, and they're just not ringing you up. They just won't let you check out if you yeah. don't have a mask. So I've seen I've seen a lot higher numbers of compliance in the area. I have recently, too. even though you know the unsilent minority, I guess you would call them. On the social media, or, the closer you or get, making a little bit of a noise. Yeah, the but, closer you get to town, the more masks you see too. The further out you go, it seems like the fewer masks. Yeah, you see. like Deritter is about fifty-fifty, and Lake Charles is a little bit heavier. Now my sister's up in Missouri, and she lives near Kansas City, Missouri, and she says in the city everybody's got masks on, but if she goes down to where her son lives, which is out in the sticks, mm-hmm. it's as sticky as where we are. Yeah. Um, nobody is wearing masks. That's how it goes. In New Orleans, every every person had one on. Yeah. And how, how was your New Orleans trip? It was, well. You went to the World War II Museum? It was socially distant. We went World War II Museum adjacent. Ah. Stayed in the Higgins Hotel they have over there. And it's, you know, Glenn Miller music playing, Frank Sinatra everywhere. Oh. They've got all these themed things, architecture. But the bars all were closed, Art huh? Deco. Yeah, well, one of them was open for about three hours in the evening on the rooftop. Ah, okay. So, that was good, but you know I didn't go to the museum because I've been a million times and really didn't feel like paying for it again. And they haven't really changed anything major, I'm sure. Well, no. they're they're still under construction. Still, yeah, they're wow. doing a lot more things. It's it's going to be something in a couple of years. But did it, you go? Did you go around the block and look at the building that's uh, deconstructed somewhat? Yeah, and we, uh, did, we went there. You could get a good view of the the artist formerly known as Lee Circle. When you can see. The big pillar that is statueless now. It's just a pillar. Yeah, we talked about it. I was like, okay. It's just a finger. It's probably going to confuse cab drivers and whatnot if you change the name of the circle. So just say it's named after Harper Lee now and put a statue of 
Atticus Finch up there or something. You know, that's actually you know, that is actually that? a solution. That, that is a solution because it looks weird. You just have a column that's not really decorative. Right now, there it's just nothing, basically there's a like a piece finger. of rebar sticking up top <laughs> that you know used to be the seat of General Lee and. Put somebody else this up is, there. This is the statue of General Rebar. Yes, that's him. <laughs> Famous for his concrete work. Mm-hmm. He was. If you needed support, he's your man. All right. A quick reminder for uh, folks that might possibly want to contact me or the the show or whatever. Uh, website is uh, www.alonginthebootcom The phone number, 337-502-9011. I'm still waiting for somebody to use that darn phone number. Somebody call and leave a message. Anybody. I don't care who you are. Uh, just call and tell me something you'd like to hear about, or better yet, just call and say hi. If it's good enough, I'll play it on the air. And everybody wants to be on a podcast. Why not? Everybody else is already on a podcast. <laughs> so why not you? Uh, the email is boot at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook page and, I don't know, search for it. The podcast is found now on pretty much all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcast, and a couple others that I don't recall. And I, want, I did want to one note that last week uh, or the last podcast when I was talking with Deb about the movie Greyhound, and we didn't include some information that we should have included because it's absolutely connected to the boot. And that is that the scenes on the ship were filmed in Baton Rouge. What? At the USS Kid. Wow. I didn't yeah, know that. I did not know that either. And that's that's on me. Uh, my bad. But yes, the USS Kid in Baton Rouge and also the ballroom scene was filmed in Baton Rouge as well. So there you go. A connection for Greyhound and my mistake. I'll do better research next time. I just stopped doing research because I just wanted to talk about the movie and didn't go too deep into it. It's got Tom Hanks. What more information do you really need? Yeah, it's a pretty solid setup. That's it right off the bat. So graduation happened finally here. In, uh, we did. We were we were pretty South late, High School. late for the party. Um, most people did it in May once they found out that whatever venues they had right. weren't going to accept anything like that. A lot of the schools... Did y'all do it on the football field? Yes, we did it in the football field so as to uh, have as much open air as possible. Well, that's how my school does it anyway. Well, most people do it that way. A lot of people do it that way. Just I like uh, I like it. It's fast. Our graduation takes no time. This one wasn't overly fast. It took a um, while? Yeah, a little bit. I guess it seemed like it took it a lot longer just because it had about 400% humidity. Yeah. Uh, it was. It started late to attempt for the cooler Cooler temperature. Oh, yeah, because it's so much cooler at 8 o'clock at night in God, Louisiana. It was, a, Why? it was a sweater. It Why? was a sweater. During the day, it gets all the way up in the 90s, but at night, man, it's all the way down in the middle 80s. Nice, cool 84 degrees. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Well, I had uh, one thing that happened this week, and it happened actually yesterday. My wife was about to make the bed, pulled the bed covers back, and found a scorpion in the bed on my side, no less. And so that was exciting. That's had, a sign. It isn't. Well, we're both Scorpios. Oh, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, but Should have kept him as a mascot. It was a decent sized Scorpio. Well, I will tell you, my wife would not let me kill it. She has certain principles, and she feels like unless you're in danger, mortal danger, which I wasn't by that point. Although when I was in bed, who knows? Yeah. But uh, we gathered up in a uh, German fest mug, and I took it out to the tree line and said, "Hope you can fly." And Chucked it out of the. Gave a little chuck. That's very Franciscan of you. For a, mo- so for a moment, the scorpion flew. Oh. So he uh, had that, you know, for just a moment. I would have, I would have wigged out. I would have been like that movie producer on The Godfather with the horse head. <laughs> I saw the scorpion. I would, have, I would have been. I thought she was kidding. I actually did when I heard, what is that? Oh my God, it's a scorpion. And I was like, oh, come oh, on. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a dragon over there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so yeah, that was that was interesting. I, I I don't know. I've I've seen in Louisiana. I think I've seen maybe a total of three or four scorpions in since nineteen eighty two. You know, and yeah, most have, of them in I've the seen, last ten years. I have seen not in since nineteen eighty seven. My year of origin. Well, I used to see them all the time in the Ozarks up in Missouri where I grew up, but they were little. They were always tiny. I never saw big ones, but it was good to shake out your shoes in the morning. Always. <clears throat> Those are the ones I hear. Not the, the small ones are the more venomous ones. Are they? I don't I mean, know. My brother used to be real big into zoo books. 
I heard they glow though. If you put them under UV, somebody what? told me that, that scorpions fluoresce. That's cool. Which is pretty cool. Makes them a little bit scarier, but I mean, that's cool. You imagine yeah. at night, if you just, you know, chilling with your, well, my wife said, you know, it's just light. a scorpion doing its little scorpion thing. So there's no yeah. reason to kill it. It's kind of the, her deal with pretty much any animal was yeah. the dung beetle that she moved off the highway the other day who had his little ball of dung. That's the epitome of compassion right there. I'm telling you her, her Buddha nature, I guess. Um, let's see. We talked about COVID. We don't need to talk about school openings. Who knows? We've got lots of options. Pretty much. It's like, this one's going to suck. That one's going to suck. This one's going to suck. So we're going to go with the one that sucks. Yeah. That's pretty much our, ours as well. And all in favor. I do know that from what I understand about 8,000 students in Calcasieu parish opted for virtual classes. I've heard of some, Eight thousand is a lot. That is a lot. But I'll bet most of them are seniors, because yep. many seniors only job. need like two or three hours a day max. Yeah. So they can go to work if they can find a job, and there are people hiring. And yeah. I imagine there's a lot of people looking for work now that the six hundred dollars a month got canned. Yeah, that'll get you. Well, we'll see what they're going to do. Who knows what they're going to do in Washington? Uh, I'm going to assume they're going to do what they always do, which is not much, probably. And they do it well, though. They've been very experienced for the last, I don't know, few centuries. And uh, the, uh, Senator McConnell, the turtle without a shell, yeah, who um, so I I call him Cecil, uh, just they, you know. yeah. And he's a, he says it'll be a few weeks before we have a, a few weeks. Great. And all the people who get evicted, I guess I don't know. It's be real nice to have that check on the street. Yeah, <laughs> where are you going to get it? I need a hot dog. Can you take the twelve hundred dollar check? And it, well, yeah, you got to take a check because they won't take cash. Cashless. There's a shortage. There's a shortage of coins. I don't know what the conspiracy is for that yet, but I know the other day that the dollar store wouldn't take any cash unless it was exact change. To me, I don't know. If you're going to take cash, take cash. I don't know. Exact change. I don't understand why there's a shortage. I mean, I myself have like seven 55 gallon drums full of change. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Oops. I'm hoarding it. They're not going to get me shillings. Well, I, I just, I, I get that, okay, the pandemic and all that, but is there like some shortage of weird metal that we don't know about and they're just not telling us? Like, well, there's a shortage of zinc. And, uh, yeah, a global zinc crisis. I have no idea. I know we just deposited. Now, I saw somebody else did this on Facebook. I don't know if it's just a meme or what, but we seriously went and deposited like almost $400 in coins that we had rolled over the last few years and just went, you know what, let's go plop this in the bank because all it's going to do is... Give something else for our kid to go choke on. We have a big, I have a big bucket of change out there. I, I actually, there's pennies in there that we've had probably in there for 20 years. Yeah. I sifted through them first to see if I saw anything of note. I don't like sifting through coins. They're gross. It's, you know, they're gross. They're, they're gross. They've been stuck in nostrils and oh. butt cracks and wherever else. Well, yeah. It's oh, nasty. Change it's, is gross. That's the nastiest thing ever. Maybe that that's the real reason that they should be saying at stores, don't give us your change. It's gross. It Exactly. In local news, real quick, before we move on, I saw the other day that uh, qualifications for constable for, uh, I believe it's uh, Districts 4 and 6, and uh, it was uh, Mr. Doug Evey has qualified for that, and I put out an invitation to him to uh, give us a call so uh, I can get a little interview with him and talk about his plans for the, uh, the coming race and also... Anything else he's got going on, that guy is involved in everything in this community. He's everywhere. He is everywhere. So hopefully we'll get that. And that's a, and anything else in local news, I can't really think there's not too much going on as far as I know. Anything that you're aware of? Not local, local. I mean, we not really have any organized townships around here. It's, there's nothing. It's, it's hard to have any like big things. Well, and on. there's not a lot of community stuff going on because of the pandemic. So there's not much to talk yeah. about. You know, there's a, there's an incredible fundraiser for the South Borough. Guy Rigdon, right? And there's going to be a Guy Rigdon concert. There. Well, there you go. See there, Guy Rigdon. Good music. I, I, I assume it's country. Yes. Okay. And uh, you can tell I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. No, no, none at all. I just, uh, I haven't listened to him. Uh, maybe I'll give him a shot. I listen to country music. Granted, most of it's pre-1980. Yeah. But usually if it was made after I was born, I don't really... Well, I'm a big fan of outlaw country, although there are some artists now that I would consider outlaw country that are actually new. Mm-hmm. Hayes Carl being one mm-hmm. of them. And and so, yeah, I, I listen to that as well. But speaking of local news, that's kind of what we want to talk about today for just a little while uh, is talk about news in general. I think I've decided 
myself at some point along the way that news in general has really gotten, well, not very good. No, there's really nothing. I I really came to realize this. I think I was in college and uh, I was back home for a weekend or something and KPLC was playing. And right before a commercial break, I I swear to you, this is what it said. It was like, grasshoppers, are they supposed to be this big? We'll find out after the break. (laughs) well there you go that's wow important important up to the minute news i think they said no i think grasshoppers were not supposed to be that large that was the riveting conclusion well and and yeah that was where i was going to go right off the bat was the local news the local news when you watch it now i've noticed more and more it seems to be very little local news and they just kind of run stories that you're going to see on the national news very shortly yeah now, they will tell you about somebody who's been arrested or if somebody's been shot, and they'll give you the COVID uh, scores. Yes. And because, uh, you know. Today on the leaderboard. <laughs> Today in Lake Charles, COVID won 19 to 3 against Beauregard Parish. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you get that. But overall, local news isn't really all that local. And then I started thinking about the national news and how, where you live in a climate right now where. It seems as if a lot of people don't trust the news, and including um, the president, who, yeah. who constantly refers to the news as fake news. Although he's mostly fake news, yeah, fake, fake news. News is fake. It's fake news. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting that it went this way because when I was a kid, news was trusted for sure. Newsmen and journalists were respected, and for the most part, they were trusted for the information they gave. And today, it seems as if. It's changed. And so I wanted to kind of just do a little quick little little history and a little discussion of how news changed and why it changed and why today news might not be necessarily just news. There might be a reason for it. And I think you find that there there is. And so once again, we go back in time a little bit to what I what many people will consider the first true television journalist, and that is Edward R. Murrow. Legend. Legendary. He is a legend. Uh, Edward R. Murrow was famous for his World War II radio broadcasts. He often would stand on top of a building and watch while Germans were busy dismantling London. And they did a pretty thorough job of that one. They did. I, I don't know how they managed to not hit the building he was on. That's one of those things that's always bothered me. It's like, man, how did they know? <laughs> they respected him. You can't, can't bomb you can't, Edward R. Murrow. You can't bomb Edward R. Murrow. Sniper any pile? Sure. But you can't, can't bomb Murrow. <laughs> and, uh, and he would describe the events. And, and people in the United States, actually, in some places that I've read, he gets a lot of credit for gradually turning public opinion into towards helping out with the war effort. Mm-hmm. Because early on, Americans were like, nah, it's not my problem. <laughs> and... Uh, but they, they'd already gotten to where they trust the guy. So if they trust the guy and he says it's important, they're like, well, by golly, it yeah. must be important. It must be. And uh, I was reading about his uh, reports after the war from uh, he went when he heard about the camps, he went to Buchenwald and reported what he saw. And he said later, he goes, I only reported the very minor details of what I saw. He said, I could not tell people what I was actually witnessing. And it was kind of like, oh, man. You know, yeah. and he was it changed him completely. He he came back to America more dedicated to his craft, for sure. And but he got famous on television with CBS News and CBS early on in radio and in television. They were the leaders of news. Yeah, that was the that was the real heavy hitter. They developed. Yeah, they developed uh, international news using shortwave radio, which is amazing because they couldn't even hear each other. Yeah. So they would time everything out. And it worked. They were able to do it. And I'm still fascinated by that story. The technology available to them was not something that you would have thought would have made it possible to even do broadcasts with three different correspondents in three different parts of the world. Yeah. Well, and, they thought it was that important that they were, you know, we're going to make this happen because people need to be more in tune to the bigger picture. People need to be informed of important events. There are certain things that will have global, you know, by that point we're, we're part of that, that game. You know, it's not just what's happening in in your neck of the woods as Mr. Rooker would say, but. Well, he, uh, he's famous in television when the McCarthy trials are going on. McCarthy of course was, and if, if you don't know, if you're too young to know who McCarthy is, well, if you had us for history, I suppose you would know who McCarthy is, but 
McCarthy was accusing, well, pretty much everyone of being a communist, especially if you disagreed with him. And Edward R. Murrow didn't take too kindly to that. He, he felt that it was un-American. He, he did it in a way that's really kind of interesting. Today, when you hear uh, correspondents express their opinion, a lot of times they don't let you know it's their opinion. They yeah. sort of use grammar to hide the fact that it's their personal opinion. Murrow would just flat tell you when it was his opinion. Yeah. In, he would say something like, in this reporter's opinion. Yeah. Still being professional. Still you know, being professional. Want to keep making first person. But one of the things I found out today uh, doing some background stuff was when they started accusing people in the media of being communists, he start, he told his people on his staff to begin recording everything that McCarthy said, no matter where he said it. Just record what he's saying, record his accusations, because he takes things out of context, and I'm going to put them back into context. That's one of the worst things that, you know, I'm sure we'll get to that later, talking about in the media in general. Like, you'll have all these sound bites and little stuff, but mm-hmm. if you don't have the context, it can completely change what's going on. Yeah, and, and it really, it, yeah, that's absolutely true. With pictures, sound bites, whatever, all of it. Um, I'm gonna, I've got some clips today, and a couple of them are kind of long, a couple of them are short, but I want to give you a little taste of Edward R. Murrow when he was talking about McCarthy. And McCarthy had come on his show. He had a show on CBS and McCarthy had come on to be interviewed. And then at some point in the show, he also accused Murrow of possibly having communist sympathies. Mm. Yeah. What a shock. Mm. And so I want to give you the first uh, little cut here of, of Murrow. And if the sound is a little weird, well, it was, don't forget it was the fifties. So, you know, the sound's not great, but here you go. Earlier, the Senator asked, Upon what meat does this our Caesar feed? Had he looked three lines earlier in Shakespeare's Caesar, he would have found this line, which is not altogether inappropriate. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. No one familiar with the history of his country can deny that congressional committees are useful. It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one, and the junior senator from Wisconsin has stepped over it repeatedly. His primary achievement has been in confusing the public mind as between the internal and the external threats of communism. We must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. So that was Murrow explaining what McCarthy was was up to at the time, talking basically about the fact that McCarthy would just accuse, without any proof whatsoever, anyone of being a communist. No, it was as massive a mudslinging campaign as pretty much has ever happened. Yeah. And in America kind of went along with it at first. That was the scary thing. They're scared. It was the red scare. The second red scare. These people are nervous. So whenever they hear someone is a communist, like communist, where, where, where they freaked out. It was almost like a pandemic. Uh, Yeah. In a way, I guess it's a mental pandemic. McCarthy, didn't let up. He didn't relent. Uh, he he kept he kept going after uh, various groups. But Murrow Murrow really stayed on McCarthy, and I've always been impressed with the fact that he made no bones about it. That now CBS the people he worked for they were nervous. They were yeah. very nervous. They they feared what Murrow was doing. But Murrow had enough. He, he was trusted by so many people in in the country that he had a little bit of power that allowed him to continue going after. McCarthy, and I'm going to give you another little taste here. We must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. We must remember always that accusation is not proof and that conviction depends upon evidence and due process of law. We will not walk in fear one of another. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason if we dig deep in our history and our doctrine. And remember that we are not descended from fearful men. I love that. That's a good line. That is a great line. And the idea that he was trying to get across to people was we need to go back to our roots. We need to remember where we came from. And fear should not be the overall motivator of what's going on in America. You could say the exact same thing today. Yes. No question. Because fear is almost the meat and potatoes of news today. If you watch news today, a lot of what you get is fear, 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 fear. Yeah, you don't watch the news and go, Ah, what a great time to be alive. <laughs> people, a lot of people think this is the worst time that there's ever been in history. As pretty much anyone who's ever lived has thought. Yeah. Except for rich people in the 20s. By the way, uh, as history teachers, I think we can both safely let everyone know that this is not the worst time to be alive. Probably I not. can't tell you what is necessarily, but I'm pretty sure 
that I can come up with at least 10 moments in history that are worse than what's happening now. Even just within the last 150 years, like it depends on who you are, depends on where you are. Yes. And, but we'll go ahead and just say the plague. We'll just, number one. Yeah, that's pretty bad stuff. Yeah. Or maybe if you were a Native American and the Spanish arrived and suddenly smallpox came through. That was rough. That was got to be worse than what's happening now, right? A little bit. And uh, everything's fear, though. You know, the media does that all the time. They constantly feed into this fear because that's what they want. That keeps you glued in, so to speak. And it also gets you talking. What about this? What about that? You have to have something to focus your energies on. And fear is an easy one to motivate people, whether it's you're afraid of the virus. So you're going to lock yourself in the basement or whether you're afraid of your rights being taken away. So you're not going to wear a mask. So you're not going to wear a mask. I mean, it's both. Yeah. It's like government control is scary. Uh, global pandemic wiping out half the population is scary or point whatever percent. Well, I'm not wearing a mask. Well, no, I'll tell you what. I'll put on a mask, but I will not wash my hands. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> I have the right to keep my black fingernails. <laughs> so... One more uh, real quick Murrow McCarthy moment, and well, because I will tell you that Murrow really took the wind out of his sails, and and that was a went a long way in bringing down McCarthy in the eyes of the American people. We can deny our heritage and our history, but we cannot escape responsibility for the result. There is no way for a citizen of a republic to abdicate his responsibilities. As a nation, we have come into our full inheritance at a tender age. We proclaim ourselves as indeed we are, the defenders of freedom wherever it continues to exist in the world. But we cannot defend freedom abroad by deserting it at home. The actions of the junior senator from Wisconsin have caused alarm and dismay amongst our allies abroad and given considerable comfort to our enemies. And whose fault is that? Not really his. He didn't create this situation of fear. He merely exploited it, and rather successfully. Cassius was right. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Good night and good luck. And the famous sign-off, of course, from Murrow was always good night and good luck. Man. Yeah. That's super relevant now. But but look what it's he did. It's kind of like the stay safe. It, well, look what he did. He told America. Whose fault is it? It's your fault. You allowed this to happen. And, again, could apply to... Well, it could apply to any time, really. Yeah. Whenever yeah. something bad's happening. Yeah. You know, we, we allow ourselves to be sensationalized. Well. Extremized, I guess you'd call it. It's like Walmart, right? People complain about Walmart all the time. Who who allowed Walmart to create this system and this business model that has made billions? Of, well, we did. We Yeah. It's the market, I believe, is what you like to say. Yes. It's the, the, like the universe. It's the invisible hand that pushes everybody and everything. That's along. right. And so it's always, but that's Murrow. Murrow was, a, he was pretty good at kind of figuring things out. And But Murrow had a problem, and the problem was things were changing in news. The big thing was happening was news for a long time had been totally about news. It had nothing to do with making money. News didn't make money. It wasn't supposed to make money. It's a distributor of information. Right. Keep everybody informed. And Murrow was big on that. He really believed that that needed to be at the top of the list of things to be done that you had to keep the American public informed. Otherwise the government or whoever could run rampant over the country. And the freedom isn't overly free. If you don't really know what's going on, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, what good, what good are you in a system, a democracy or a Republic? You know, you have to be informed to be a good voter. Yes. Or you should be. You can vote. You don't have to be informed. It's not a requirement. should be, but it's not. Right. And But Murrow, like a lot of people, like myself, I think if you're uninformed and you're voting, then you're just voting because somebody says you have to vote, so pick. And so you're likely to vote for whatever, your parents' person or party or your friends. Whoever has more flair, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's somebody who wore a cool jacket on TV. Ooh, I'm going to vote for him, yeah. I know Uh, Bill Clinton had good hair. Yeah, he played a saxophone. Oh yeah, he was cool. He was, he was cool, man. He was he was cool. I'm gonna play that saxophone and play that things. saxophone and go all the Arsenio Hall show. Ooh. Yeah, and and he did it. I mean, from Arkansas, no less. A man from Arkansas. That's right. And from Hope. Have you ever been through Hope? I have. Not through much. it. Through it. Not to it. Just there's it. there's not much there. No. <laughs> I saw the saw the exit on the interstate. Yeah. Hope. Oh, Bill Clinton Library. Oh. Tell you what, the the roads in Arkansas pre Bill Clinton. 
Horrible. Horrible. Post Bill Clinton, they have some fine roads in Arkansas now. Lovely. And so, you know, it's always good. If we could get somebody from Louisiana to be president, we could get better roads, I'm assuming. Huey Long. I think he's dead. Damn. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, he he could have done it. Is there anybody in politics in Louisiana today that even has a... No, no. Well, depends on who you listen to. I'm, I'm hearing our governor is not overly popular amongst a lot of the population. I don't think he has a presidential shot. No, no. Nor the aspiration. I'm pretty sure he just wants to fix Louisiana as best he can, or at least get done with the job at this point. At this point, I think I'd just want to dealt bail. a pretty, pretty rough hand. Yeah, well, it's not as rough as Kathleen Blanco, right? Oh, man. <laughs> that was bad. That was a that was a horrible time in in Louisiana history, as I'm sure some of you uh, well remember. Those darn hurricanes. Anyway, let's see, we uh, talked about uh, Edward R. Murrow, and he ran into a lot of trouble with CBS. CBS was very nervous about him, and the problem was again he he didn't really believe that sponsors should be part of the media. He didn't think that news should have sponsors, and that's old fashioned. By the time the fifties roll around. Sponsors are pretty much a part of television. In fact, you could argue that television was about sponsors. Yeah. I mean, I mean a lot of those shows in the 50s, it's like Marlboro presents yeah, it's whatever the show product is. Product placement. Right. And they would have like a dancing cigarette pack mm-hmm. and uh, or even oh, fun cigarettes. Cigarettes. Well, they were the sponsor for everything. Yes. Philip Morris Theater presents. <laughs> yeah. You get that and like makeup and stuff. Yeah. And they just had a everything was sponsored. And it just came out of radio. I mean, they did when TV first started. The shows were just like radio shows, mm-hmm. uh, badly, badly acted on screen with sponsors. And they didn't really know what they had yet. But news was still kind of independent. And Murrow, well, Murrow had to go. But with Murrow leaving, there was a new generation of newsmen coming in. And the one that really stands out is Walter Cronkite. Another legend. He is a legend. He was a he uh, made his bones, as they say, covering the Nuremberg trials. That was the first big assignment that he had that really made his name. It's probably a good assignment to get. I'm sure it was a great assignment. First of all, Nuremberg's an awesome city. Although I bet it was all rubble at that time. Probably, probably not a lot to see. (laughs) Sightseeing in Germany after World War II. But big news, and it was it was huge, and. Uh, so Cronkite made his name there and, of course, covering other great events. And in 1963, CBS came up with a new format for news, which was a full 30 minutes of network news at the time slot that we're all pretty much familiar with now. In 1963, we had this wonderful sound that went out over the airwaves of the United States of America. Direct from our newsroom in New York. This is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite and Nelson Benton in Tuskegee, Alabama, Dan Rather in Plaquemine, Louisiana, Bernard Kalb in Saigon, Peter Kalisher in Tokyo, and Eric Severide in Washington. Good evening from our CBS Newsroom in New York on this, the first broadcast of Network Television's first daily half-hour news program. In Alabama today, Governor Wallace ringed a public school with state troops to delay integration ordered by a federal court. And in turn, the local Alabama school board threatened defiance of the governor. At his summer White House in Hyannisport on Massachusetts Cape Cod, President Kennedy today talked with this reporter of many things, including the political repercussions of the integration battle. Now, that was uh, September of 1963, and Cronkite he immediately got all of the ratings for news. No other stations really had, had kind of come up with this format, although they followed suit very quickly. It was obvious that this was a time slot that was excellent for a news broadcast. And the news was presented by all of the major networks, NBC, ABC, CBS, uh, pretty quickly thereafter. But Cronkite made really became trusted, I think for something that was very, very human. And even though you can't see it when you're listening to a podcast, you can actually hear it. And it came just two months after his interview with Kennedy about the civil rights stuff you just heard about. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's fairly famous now, but you can still hear it in his voice. When you hear it, it, it humanizes him in such a way that I think it really changed how America looked at him. They, they certainly trusted him a lot more afterwards. 
from Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office. So you could hear it there. It, it just his voice breaks. And in that, like he he's taking his glasses off. He does. He, he takes his glasses he's like off, wiping his eyes. And he's he's completely broken up, as everybody was. I mean, it's still one of those great moments in America. Great moments, sad moments. Great, yeah. great, sad, iconic, iconic. Thank you. That's a good word. The word of the word day of is iconic. iconic. So Cronkite basically became what was they referred to him as the most trusted man in news. Everybody believed Walter Cronkite. You could not get away from the fact that if he said it, people believed it, no matter what. The news was still, for the most part, independent. Nobody expected news stations to make money. News was there to inform, still. And it was very objective. If you watch news programs from the 60s and even into the 70s, the news is extremely objective. There's not a lot of editorials. There's not a lot of opinion making. And when they do it, they let you know. They always let you know. Yeah. But you didn't have a lot of talking heads. You had a reporter. He went to the news desks around the world. CBS had news divisions all over the world. In every major city of the world, you could find a CBS news desk. And there were reporters there gathering information for nightly news reports, as well as CBS radio news, which was all over the world. So news was expensive to actually maintain. Running those offices, I'm sure, wasn't cheap. I know, because you have a lot of people who are researching, compiling, sure. getting, you know, polishing it up, getting it ready for presentation. And I'm sure, too, finding people that spoke the language. I mean, it was, it was a yeah, whole you to, thing. You have to dig deep. There's no yeah. interweb back then. But Cronkite, being as trusted as he was, there's a moment in history that Lyndon Johnson said that he— he said he would hold America during the Vietnam War. Lyndon Johnson was losing popularity, but he was still fairly confident he could win the next election. He always said, as long as I've got Walter Cronkite, I'm okay. <laughs> the problem was Walter Cronkite eventually put out uh, this comment one night on his evening news broadcast. For it seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. But it is increasingly clear to this reporter that the only rational way out then will be to negotiate, not as victors, but as an honorable people who lived up to their pledge to defend democracy and did the best they could. So when Cronkite said that, that was after going to Vietnam and interviewing people himself. He went and interviewed um, generals. He interviewed the commanders. And he compared those interviews to what he was being told by people in Washington. And it created what later became known as the credibility gap. Yeah, there was a bit of a disconnect between what was getting presented. And Cronkite, in later interviews after he retired, he said, well, it just seemed silly to continue sending American boys to Vietnam when there was not going to be a resolution. Yeah. And when he said that on the evening news that night, the amount of support for Johnson as well as the war just dropped. It tanked. It was literally that quick. And Johnson, in fact, just shortly thereafter said he wasn't even going to run for another term. Yeah. And that shocked the mess out of a lot of people. It changed everything. And of course, indirectly, I guess, I suppose you could make the argument that it led to the assassination of Robert Kennedy. Yeah. Cause he became the front runner. Yeah. And he became the target, I guess. Yeah. Uh, 1968 was a horrible year. Horrible year. That is a pivotal year in American history. I said that whenever all this stuff was going down, I was talking to my wife. I was like, man, I have to say that 2020 is probably the craziest year we've had in this country since 1968. I think I think that could be correct. I mean, a scorpion in my bed. That's crazy. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> so, so Cronkite, again, the most trusted name in news, continued at the desk until he was 65 years old. CBS had a mandatory retirement age. Wow. Which is weird because I don't know if that would I don't know if that would fly today. Probably not. Although I, I smell a lawsuit. 
Yeah. Well, I get, maybe he was ready. As long as he, you know, still in his right mind, let the man work. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. And he was still, cause he continued doing specials for CBS for years, but yeah. in the eighties, uh, Cronkite went the way of old newsmen, I guess, and went to some, I'd like to, I would like to picture him just going to some bar in Africa somewhere and sitting down with the, with the khaki mm-hmm. uh, vest with lots of pockets and just drinking with Murrow and Severide and all those guys. That's, that's, where that's the way the, the journalist the should go. Yeah. The afterlife of the, 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 the journalist. The journalist Valhalla <laughs> <laughs> sit around drinking and talk, telling old stories. But he was, uh, he was followed by Dan Rather, who I think worked at that desk for probably 20 years, maybe, or more, possibly. And I think Dan, does he still, is he still around? Or I don't think so. Is he done? Did he finally retire? Yeah. But news uh, was, you know, it was pretty well trusted for a, a good long time. The Americans, we didn't have fake news. And, then along comes the 80s, and the 80s were a little different. For one thing, they began deregulation of a lot of industries, and television was one of them. This is the era of Reagan. Reagan had come in with the promise to deregulate and to uh, change everything. And CBS, the leader of news in America, was purchased by the Lowe's Corporation, not the not not the. Uh, yeah, home not, improvement. not home improvement Lowe's. Right. The Lowe's people that owned hotels and movie theaters because, you know, they know news. Why not? <laughs> Once they purchased CBS, things changed because then news was part of a corporation that was interested in, well, stock price. Yeah, it's a separate department that is meant to make the mothership more money. Right. And so news was gradually wrapped into entertainment. Mm-hmm. When that happened, news began to change. One of the things they did is they cut costs. All those foreign desks all over the world were cut. They didn't need them. And in the age of satellites, you didn't need them as much. Yeah, communications had had improved a little bit. And what they do now, of course, is if something happens in another city and they don't have people there, they, they will basically contract out a reporter from, say, BBC. Like if something's happening in London... They'll just pay somebody from the BBC. And they'll throw you a soundbite. They'll throw you the soundbite, and you can wrap your news around whatever they say. Mm. Although we don't get as much international news as we used to. No. Which is kind of strange, considering how much more intertwined we are with the world. It's gotten a lot smaller, this globe. But, you know, how much news are you going to get in 20 minutes at 530 at night? But we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Anyway, so CBS and then ABC and NBC eventually were all purchased by companies that were more interested in the bottom line than they were about providing good news. News was secondary to the number one job, which is make money. Lots. Lots money. and lots of money. And you can see this not just in the news. You can also see it in magazines. There were general interest magazines. Things like Life Magazine and Saturday Evening Post and Collier's and those magazines, they mm-hmm. all went away. And the reason they went away is because they just couldn't keep up with all of the special interest magazines. Well, yeah, they they whittled it down. They narrowed their focus to a specific little group. It's niche, niche, niche marketing. The niche market. And so we have ABC, CBS, NBC, and along comes cable television. Cable television is going to end up dividing the audience even more. There, for the longest time, there were three networks. That was it. If you wanted your news from television, you had to go to one of those three sources, and that was the only place you could get it. But then along comes cable news, and the possibility of zillions of channels was there. In the early 1980s, something new came along because of cable television, and I actually have the very first time that this channel appeared in uh, the United States, or Appeared? Yeah, it appeared. It was on TV. Take 11, Mike Cure, to New York. Stand by, ready three, take three, Mike Cure. Three, start a slow zoom in a little bit. Roll tape, take three. Ready 13, full. Ready camera three, one center up. Good evening, I'm David Walker. And I'm Lois Hart. Now here's the news. And that was the very first minute of CNN. Wow. Cable News Network, that was their debut. And they actually ran late, so you heard the stuff going on behind the scenes before yeah. they came out with the uh, with the news cut from the beginning. And CNN, Cable News Network, was 24-hour news. So the C doesn't stand for crooked? <laughs> well, maybe. Crooked News Network. <laughs> it could be now. It's it's When it came out, though, people were, man, what, news 24 hours a day? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And uh. 
And you have to kind of think about that for a minute. At first, it's like, well, I can catch the news anytime I want it. If I'm up at three o'clock in the morning, well, I can catch the news. And of course, but they had already figured out the the secret, which is you just record and then you just rerun it with different people. But you can make the same story appear five times in a day. And who's going to know? People are very familiar with that format now between news and ESPN. Well, CNN definitely rocked the world of the major networks and changed how news was packaged. News had to be more entertaining. And it had to be quicker because CNN was famous for quick stories and a certain mix, serious story, international story, happy story, and constantly mixing that up, but all very short. They never went in-depth on anything. Today, CNN will do in-depth hour-long shows, but back then, they didn't do that. And of course, following uh, CNN, later came headline news, which was even shorter. Uh, Headline news would appear for like five minutes at the beginning of a show on TBS. Yeah. Very appropriate title for that new show. That's all it was. It was headlines. Here you go. Here's a headline. Cable news network being 24 hours a day, they had to fill 24 hours. I mean, that can't be easy to do. So that started creating stories that people would see things that were happening all over the country. But even if they were happening all over the country, they didn't make them important. No, they just we, we started, were happening. Yeah, we started getting a lot more news that just didn't matter. Trying to get something that'll grab somebody's attention. You're trying to you know do the job of those special interest magazines. Well, and remember what the whole purpose of television is. It's to sell you products. Yes, it's People, a billboard in your house. I have told my students in classes forever that television's not there to entertain you. It's there to sell you something. The entertainment is the price of admission. Yeah. And... They're always surprised by that. And well, that's why I don't, I, I just, I just get on the internet. Well, I got news for you. Same thing. Same Except thing. Now you're in control. Yeah. But, but only up to a point, you're yeah. still going to get those pop-up ads and everything else. The internet is there to sell you something. It didn't start out that way, but that's what it's become because advertisers know how human beings work. Well, they're like, you know, Hey, we have this awesome new way of conveying information to the masses. And then nobody's like, Hey, we got ways to reach the masses. We can make some more money. And, you know, it's if you can do one, you can do the other. That's, that's true. That's what those things are for. And in fact, that's kind of it's kind of interesting that you you say that. We have uh, after CNN, we have a new, currently still very popular news show makes its debut. Good morning. Welcome to Fox News Channel. This is Fox News now. All the news you need in 15 minutes. Good morning, everyone. I'm Allison Costarini, and I'm Louis Aguirre. Topping our news this morning. And that was the de- debut of Fox News in October of 87, I believe. And yeah, I know. And, and Fox News, of course, today is, well, it's the most watched news channel on cable. One of the things that's kind of interesting is Fox News will tell you that they are the number one news channel in America, but that's not actually true, except it's a news channel. Mm-hmm. So it is the most there's a, but the thing is there's not a bunch of news channels. Yeah. But when it comes to actual eyeballs on the TV for news, the major networks still get the bulk of viewers for news. Uh, but I'm sure they also go to Fox news as well. And Fox of course today plays the devil's advocate with CNN. Fox news is viewed as the conservative side. Yes. And and they say fair and balanced, fair and balanced. Well, they were the balance If everything was so far to the left. You had to add the right that way, people had an option. Right. And that's how Roger Ailes, the guy that started Fox News, that's, that's how, what he said. He goes, that's how it's all pitched. There's a there's a market where not re- that's not being reached, and we can reach them. But Fox News is brilliant in how they do the news. They they pick stories a lot of times that aren't covered by the mainstream media. Because mainstream media just doesn't think they're that important. And Fox News realizes, well, there are people out there that will find it interesting. Yeah. So we'll do it. And today, I... I don't know. I know people. There are people I know that Fox News is the only thing on in the house it, all it's on, day long. It's like the, you got guys when they're in their upper teens and 20s, it'll be ESPN. And then when they get a little older, it's Fox News. And if they're driving, it's Fox News Radio. Yeah, it's and, and it's a lot of it now is reality news. Yes, they want to. But again, it's still the whole purpose is to keep you glued to the set and to to, to watch and Buy something. I mean, that's there's still it comes down to that. They still want you to buy something. But I know a lot of people will say, well, I only watch Fox News because I don't trust the news from the major networks. 
And then there is the other side who will go, I would never watch Fox News. They're untrustworthy. And uh, because they're, con- you know, they're slanted, they're slanted, conservative bias. And of course, I think really now what we all should realize is the news is marketing to the people and telling the people what they want to hear. So people tune in to it. Yes. You know, it's a, it's the, it's the echo chamber. Yeah. I want to hear, I want to hear what my opinions are given back to me from news people so that so I know I'm right. It's credible. It's credible. <laughs> exactly. Now. The debate is gone. It just bounced back off the walls. That's what's happened with Fox news. So now we, and when then we come finally to the biggest change in news since Fox news debuted, and that is the internet. Weirdly enough, strangely enough, uh, CNN actually had something to say about this. It spans the globe like a super highway. It is called internet. The net to longtime users. Internet is a whole group of networks. The net is made up of some 12,000 individual computer networks. Internet began back in 1969. It was a tool of the Pentagon. But nowadays, just about anyone with a computer and a modem can join in, usually for a nominal fee. When Carol Phillips wants to know what's going on in her community, she takes a walk to the computer in her family room. Now, sorry about that horrible. That was a little dated. Horrible music. It was really dated. It sounds like dial-up. What I like is how they refer to internet. Not the internet. It's internet. The net, according to longtime users. <laughs> the thing was, the internet came along. Now, I don't think people realized how far that was going to go so quickly. But it was kind of cool at the very beginning of all this to be able to just get your news on a screen real quick. You could just read it and be done with it. You didn't have to watch anything. Yeah, you picked the time and the place. And, of course, the major networks were slow jumping on that bandwagon. Uh, CNN, obviously, was a little quicker. Um, my favorite thing, though, and I... I I'm going to play this clip only because of the closing part of it. And it's a quote by Al Gore, our favorite vice president. Well, it's going to be riveting. Uh, it, it taps. He, by the way, he did invent the Internet. Of course. We all know that. Uh, you'll, you'll love the end of this. Internet keeps growing, adding users and services. Promoting the information superhighway, Vice President Gore on Wednesday said he could foresee the day when a youngster just home from school, given a choice between Nintendo and the Encyclopedia Britannica would choose to access the encyclopedia. If that is so, that might be even a greater accomplishment than the technology. Again, sorry about that music because, you know, CNN thought they were being cool at the time. But Al Gore said he could foresee a time when kids, if they had a choice between Nintendo and Encyclopedia Britannica on the Internet, they would go to the encyclopedia. Of course. Video (laughs) games have... Drastically and declined as, in popularity. And as yes, as we all know, kids don't even play video games anymore Ugh. on a computer. <laughs> yeah, now they're super. They're like they are the internet. They are know, with their. They got a setup that looks like a, a podcast studio, so they can play games and talk trash to their friends. Oh yeah, I saw a video actually uh, this morning on a clip, and it was like a nine year old kid, and he's in his bedroom, and he's got like seven video screens mm-hmm. displays. And he's he's doing some kind of a twit. Not is it Twitch? I think I don't know. I don't, people stuff. are watching him play video games. Yeah, they it. do. They'll stream it because not what's better than playing a video game? Watching someone play a video game. But on his screens, he's got them all next to each other, so it's one big screen, right? Yeah. And as opposed to just going and buying a big screen, no, I, it's I, not as cool. No, I guess not. You need you to have a lines in the middle, like a, a moving <laughs> Rubik's cube. Yes, like some kind of weird CIA version uh, or CIA movie, you know, Batman super from computer the, from the nineties. So CNN uh, did that report on the internet, and Al Gore was, of course, correct. So we kind of are where we are now. And the one thing about the internet and news that I really want to hit real quick, because it's just driving me crazy. Is Facebook uh, news on Facebook? Yeah, social media has become a, an issue. Yeah, social media and melding it with news, and I use that term with air quotes every time I say it in reference to Facebook. News on Facebook isn't news. And when when Facebook hit its stride when I was in college, there wasn't a hint of news on it. 
Yeah, you really rarely. Maybe like local stuff, like somebody might announce an event, but it wasn't like there wasn't a thing called events and you can make your calendar. Right, and you might like see somebody's thought. opinion about an election or something. Yeah, hey, I'm having a party. and That was it. It yeah. wasn't a news source. And now people share news on Facebook all the time. In fact, I see people who will cl- you know, click five, six, ten stories and send them to all their friends. And it's like, first of all, don't send me anything. Yeah. On Facebook, you post it on your thing. I'll probably see it, but don't send me things in private messages that are news to you. Second of all, chances are, if it's a little bit crazy sounding when you read it on Facebook, it's probably false. Probably. Uh, check your sources. I can't say that enough. And look, I don't. If I have any elderly people that are listening, please, Lord, look up the story before you post it. Because it's probably fake. And a lot of them don't even read. They don't even read the, the article. They'll see the headline for the article. Like, ooh. I've had that happen. Sure, sure, sure. Because sure, I'll, sure. I'll, post, I'll post an article from a reputable news source. Usually it's not without it. It has no opinion. I don't generally put my opinion on any of that stuff. Just read this. See what you think. If you think it's something, you can make a comment. If it's not important to you, don't make a comment. No problem. And so I'll put those up. But I, I have had people from the headline make an argument to the headline, but it doesn't address the actual article. Yeah, they can, it's obvious they didn't read anything. Right. And that happens a lot. They read the headline and never read the article and then argue, make a point. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. They've made their decision. The headline has triggered me. Uh, other things that are being shared as news, of course, is, well, first of all, COVID, everything with COVID. Oh, my God. Yeah. Everybody's, a, everybody's an expert. I know we spent millions of dollars in you know, dozens of years trying to solve this problem, but breakthroughs happen on social media. But Bob on social media has figured it out. Yeah. Facebook news. And of course the thing that's coming in the future for all you f- people that really think news is fake, huh, you're going to get your wish because you're going to have deep fakes. Those are scary. Yeah. This is we're entering into twilight zone, black mirror type stuff. now. Yeah. Cause I've seen some crazy things that they can do now. Also just throw this out there. If you're an actor, and you're asking for more money for anything, you probably want to chill because they're going to replace you soon with CGI. Yeah. That, why, it's why, so easy to do now. Why would you hire an actor? Yeah, that's what they did with the last Avengers uh, movies. Yeah. You know, the character didn't want to come back. Like, fine. Hey, we'll put, you do an impression of this guy. We're going we're gonna to do some CGI. We'll put you in. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. They're absolutely going to do that. They can do it now. They can also make any person who's real say anything. It's completely doable. There's, yeah, your voice can be captured. And, and you're not going to know easily whether or not something you see is real. So that's the other problem we have now with news is is it's going to be incumbent upon the, con, the, the consumer of news to be the one to know whether or not something's real news or not. But it's getting harder and harder to know. It's literal fake news, not slanted actual news, literal right. fake news. And I don't know who's doing it. I don't I don't even care, really. But it's going to be it's going to be more and more difficult as we go into the future to know what's real and what isn't, and that's a pretty frightening idea. Yeah, I mean it could be entertaining to swap one actor with another from a famous movie clip, but yeah, as far as real stuff, yeah, it's pretty terrifying. It's like body snatchers. <laughs> well, I mean, you could, I guess, you could theoretically. I mean, could could you start a war with something fake like that? The I don't media know. has started wars before. Sure, they have. And did it with just newspapers. Yeah. Now we've got like infinite technology in our pockets. Yes. Computers in our pockets. A supercomputer in my pocket. It's freaky. <laughs> it is. And yeah. But but don't worry. Uh it's it'll it'll all be okay. We'll make it. We'll be fine. Mm. I'm glad I'm old. You have more years to go. Maybe. You get to watch well, yeah, good point. Um <laughs> you hope you have more years to go. And uh and I hope you have more years to go too. Got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> right? I've got things to do. What have we learned? Well, we've learned that news was trusted at one time. And today, the news is fake news. Well, there, there's fake news for everybody. If there's real news for everybody, there's fake news for everybody. You, yeah. You find your perspective and you stick to it. You know, you got your CNN people. You got sure. your MSNBC people. I guess one of the things that that sticks out for me on what we've learned from the news is perhaps we just get too much of it. 
Yeah, we're pretty well because now you don't even have to go look for it on the internet because a lot of times you'll have an app from one of these news sites and it'll right. send you a push notification and you'll look at your phone you're like, oh crap, David Bowie died. You know, stuff like that is how you, yeah. you find these things out up to the minute. Well, and the other thing too with getting too much news is we're getting news from all over the country and I'll just use our country. I'll, it happens all over the world, but all over the country, the news that we don't need. An example that always stands out for me every summer is they'll do the story about some kids who got in a car in a hot car. They were left in a car and they died and it'll be in like Arizona, but I'll get it, you know, here. I don't need that news. No, nobody in Louisiana needs the news about some kids passing away from a hot car in Arizona, unless they're related to them perhaps or know them. Yeah. But the fact is that story does mean no good. No, and usually stuff like that will give somebody something to get on a soapbox about on Facebook. Like, those parents should be ashamed of themselves. You know, right? there's a new cause every day. And, yeah, and the, the, but all these little little stories that come from other parts of the country that don't have any effect whatsoever on our lives, there's a place to start with a news diet. Maybe that's the problem. I, I certainly have put myself on a news diet. Yeah. I mean, the, those stories, it's all its all the fluff. It, none of that stuff has any actual bearing on what is going on in the world. Now, yes, for the families involved and all that, yeah. Absolutely. That would probably be on a local news for where it happened. That's the way it should be. That, and that's what local news is for. And always think about who's giving you the news and think about the slant and perhaps watch more than one news source. That's probably the best. I, you know, I've done it. I'll do some channel flicking sometimes. And I'm sure. like, okay. And then sometimes a slant will happen when you don't expect it to be slanted. Like, you know, with the election of 2016, I had CNN going, I had Fox News going, and their numbers were not the same. No, they're completely As they're different. getting reported, the numbers were not the same. I was like, okay, that's all, that's all I need right there. Yeah, polls. A lot of news is poll-driven or Twitter-driven. That's my favorite now. It's the easiest way to poll somebody now. Twitter. And in fact, that maybe that's what news needs to be now. We'll just do Twitter twenty four seven. Well, this is what the president said. Yeah, but what did Felicia say? Yeah, I don't really care that much about the individual thoughts of John and Jane Q. Public. That's why I don't post a whole lot of stuff myself. I know nobody cares. In the long run, that's probably true. They probably don't even care about this. Probably not. Yeah, I and mean, here I am. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I have this equipment. I have to use it. Um, it's fun. Yeah, it is, and 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 I enjoy it, and hopefully, hopefully, get some of you folks who listen to uh, maybe make a phone call at three three seven five zero two ninety eleven, or send an email to longintheboot at gmail dot com. So, what do you got going on this week? Well, the the wife and daughters right now are doing some school supply shopping for my eldest, who shall be. Starting pre-K in a couple of weeks. Pre-K already. And we are going to be trying to figure out how to make school work for us and, I guess, her. Yeah. Because she's going to be one that's going every day. And then we have our unusual stagger schedule with the virtual Fridays and all of that. Which, I mean, if you're going to pick a way to do it. I mean, obviously, all the way virtual, that's too problematic. Particularly if you've got little kids who cannot stay at home by themselves. Right. And then, of course, the last thing was uh, I read, and this is fun, fun, good, make, make you feel good. I was reading about inoculations or vac- vaccinations for young children that are supposed to get them. Mm-hmm. The uh, number of children currently getting their vaccinations have dropped by about 40%. That's so they're expecting a measles outbreak at some point in the next right. year. You know, so we need, we need some more measles. Maybe throw in some polio. Oh, polio. A nice polio outbreak would be great. Man, it sure would. It would, ta- it would take the attention away from COVID for sure. For sure. If we get polio back. Because yeah, that's 100%. Night. Your fault if ding, it happens. Ding, ding, in this corner, COVID-19. In that corner, polio. Yeah. Yeah, who would win? Probably, um, probably the one that's getting, you know, paralyzed. Yeah, that's that's about as bad as it gets, I think. Well, all right. So uh, I guess we're going to have to wrap it up here. Probably. Yeah, I think we should. We've been talking forever. Yeah, who knows? Maybe in two weeks we'll talk about the size of grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. I haven't seen a grasshopper in a while. I haven't either. Why Why are they locusts when they're in a group? It's more biblically scary. Yeah, definitely. Grasshoppers, you know, that evokes Kung Fu, you know, not, not just 
Well, actually, we're gonna we're gonna all be forced to eat them eventually. So it's an excellent source of protein. When you think about it biologically, is it really that much different than eating a crawfish or a shrimp? Yes. <laughs> arthropods, man, they're all arthropods. Mm. Mm, arthropods. Yummy. I've had ants. I've eaten ants. Ants. Those little mealworms. And yeah, the mealworms. That that's nothing. Yeah. They could grind those up into a powder. And what they do, you can buy yeah. it off off of net or off of uh, Amazon. You can buy mealworm powder. Mm. Impressive. They have uh, kits you can grow on your counter. It's a little thing to where you can do your own mealworms and use scraps, food scraps to produce them. What? Yeah. And then I guess you dry them out and eat them. Mm. Circle of life. <laughs> Circle of life. Oh, how sweet. Mm. Well, that's it. We're going to wrap it up. Say goodbye, Brent. We'll see y'all when we see y'all. That's absolutely true. We'll see you when we see you. This has been Long in the Boot. Y'all have a great day and stay safe.